everyone, and welcome to That Time When, the comedy history podcast where we tell you about unusual things that have happened in history. My name's Amelia Edwards, and with me as ever is my co-host, Barnaby King. Hello there. And with us as well is Barnaby's <laughs> beer. Special guest this week is my homebrew. <laughs> um, because we have nowhere else to put it. <laughs> Yeah, it's a big tub, like it's 23 litres, mm-hmm. or the tub itself actually can hold more than 25, but yeah, it's it's a, it's not as lively, but you know, if you hear bubbling in the background, that's our special guest making his presence <laughs> felt. Okay, so I'm going to talk today about someone I think that a lot of our listeners might have heard about already. Okay. Uh, this is Mary Seacole. Now, the reason she might have been known already is because she has technically been on the national curriculum. Hmm. Is she a pirate miner? Alas, no. (laughs) No, it's a good name, though, isn't it? It's a really good name, yeah. Mm. Um, So, Mary Seacole's been on the national curriculum in history in Key Stage 2 since 2007. Ooh, out of our time. Just out of our time. (laughs) But her name only appears in an appendix to the Key Stage 2 National Curriculum as an example of a significant Victorian historical figure. Okay. So I think we're probably okay to go ahead. Yeah. That said, I did (laughs) mention... Obscure enough. (laughs) I did mention her to my teacher friends and they were like, oh yeah, I know her. Okay, fair enough. Although this could be because she's also mentioned in a a poem by John Agard. So fingers crossed. I... Don't actually know who that is. John Agard is basically um, the poetry curriculum's answer to West uh, to West Indian culture. Right, um, I see. He is a West Indian poet who does the interesting poems on the curriculum. Mm. So when we were studying, it was half cast. Yes, the one that starts. Excuse me, standing on one leg. I'm yeah. half cast. Um, he does some really interesting stuff, but he did okay. one called um, called checking out my history, um, which is currently on the poetry anthology, mm-hmm. which is all about black history that isn't taught anymore. Right, I see. And Mary Seacole turns up on that. Right. Um, so she is one of these interesting characters who, like, I think is known, but mm-hmm. is also like a symbol of the obscurity of black history right which is one of the reasons i want to talk about her Hmm. so if you do know about her the thing you probably know is that she was a british nurse Mm -hmm. who traveled to crimea Ah. during the crimean war right just like florence nightingale yes there's the name yep (laughs) (laughs) so she's often kind of set up against florence nightingale in a kind of there can be only one sort of way they were on opposite sides of the fight (laughs) the crimean war was because of them florence nightingale (laughs) led troops into battle carrying the symbol of a lantern i don't know what mary seacole led them like what her symbol was because you haven't told me about her yet (laughs) okay big um, old scalpel so Basically, Mary Seacole was pretty much forgotten about in history for, I think, around a century. Um, Whereas, as you know, Florence Nightingale has become almost a legendary figure. Like, pretty much straight away you go, the lamp. We all know her as the lady with the lamp. Mm. Um, And, you know, she's that famous Victorian, caring, wonderful lady. Whereas Mary Seacole fades into obscurity. Of course, one of the things I always think about Florence Nightingale is from an old BBC Radio 4 uh, comedy show. Yeah? 
Uh, it's one you know. Uh, I don't know if our listeners will. It's called Old Harry's Game. Oh, yes. Um, it's about hell and the devil. Mm-hmm. And the devil is trying to disabuse this professor of the notions that humanity is good. Yeah. And the professor is like citing all these examples and the devil just keeps sort of going, oh yeah, they're in hell. Yeah. Like they've done this. And it's, uh, <laughs> he brings up, uh, the professor brings up Florence Nightingale. He's like, oh yeah, she's here. Mm-hmm. What? Why is she in hell? Oh, for taking advantage of all those wounded soldiers. Oh no. <laughs> so the thing is, that is all I can think of when people start talking about Florence Nightingale. And there are times when I'm almost like, almost repeat it as a fact oh no but I have to to stop myself and remember no that's from a comedy show by Andy Hamilton (laughs) no so I'm gonna say straight out I have a lot of respect for Florence Nightingale she is really cool Uh, the only reason I don't talk about her here is because she's very well known she's very well known yeah um basically I think that there's two reasons why Florence Nightingale was remembered and Mary Seacole wasn't. Okay. The first one is that they had different approaches to nursing. Mm -hmm. So Florence Nightingale had the authority and backing for her expedition to Crimea from the British government. And she traveled with 38 other female nurses who she brought with her and like organized. Her legions. Pretty much. Mm. And she also definitely managed to make a massive measurable impact on the recovery rates of soldiers. Nice. Um, The reason that they were measurable was because Florence Nightingale was a brilliant mathematician, Ah. which doesn't get mentioned so much. But if you look her up on Wikipedia, and this is one of my favorite things, it says statistician. Excellent. And she really was. I think she might have invented pie charts. And if she didn't, then she made them very popular. Nice. And also, she worked out things through her use of statistics, like maybe we should observe good hygiene practices practices and as a result of that when she came back into the uk she changed nursing in the uk forever she kind of sherlock holmes medicine then pretty much kind of like deduced based on like most likely probabilities and that exactly she worked (laughs) out what was going wrong with things and she sorted them out um so i think there's a lot to be said for her if you talk to people about Florence Nightingale, there's a tendency for them to be like, wasn't she a really horrible person? I have heard that. And it's quite possible, but I think that there's an element of sexism in that. Ooh. Like, personally, often if you bring up men who've managed to achieve something, yeah. their personalities don't get discussed. Mm. And I think it's unfair that Florence Nightingale does get discussed. I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a gender thing. Yeah, it could be. I think there's some changes going on there. Like when mm. we think about people like Elon Musk, um, who are obviously very famous. Yeah. And people are generally like, wow, they've achieved these things. Seems like a bit of a dick, though. <laughs> That's true. But I mean, thinking of the past. Yes. Isn't Bard Kingdom Brunel? Does anyone care about what he was like, um, or? I don't know. Um, that guy who discovered penicillin. Oh, Alexander Fleming. There you go. Do yeah. you know about his no, personality? That, that, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, yeah fair but enough. Florence Nightingale, what you a bitch. Check my uh, <laughs> sexism privilege. Thank you. Um, but I agree. I think things are getting better. But I think it's one of those things you look back in history, you're like, yeah. oh, Florence Nightingale, she's meant to be a lovely, kind nurse, but actually she was really harsh to people. Who cares? Sorry. But like. You know, you know this is actually, this is a very good point. I like. I don't know why, but this really struck me. I know nothing about Isambard Kingdom Brunel. And that's a weird thing to have a problem with. But like, yeah. I feel I should know more about him. I don't know anything about him as a person. What I did learn was that he created basically like 
a flat pack hospital for Florence Nightingale <laughs> in Crimea, which is so cool. Excellent. Isambard Kingdom Brunel, CEO of IKEA. Apparently so. <laughs> okay, so that's Florence Nightingale. She has all these statistics to back her up. Mm-hmm. She changed nursing forever. There's no way of denying that. Okay. Meanwhile, Mary Seacole's expedition was self-funded. Right. And she was rogue. She was. The British government were like, Mary Seacole, you can't go to Crimea. And she, she was, was like, like, screw you, I'm going. <laughs> Basically. Put hand in your badge and gun, Mary Seacole. <laughs> the mayor's going to have my ass. Um, it's also harder <laughs> to tell what impact she had. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that a bit at the end because there's this whole like historiographical argument going on Ooh. that I think is... Really awful, but we'll we'll talk about it. Mm. And the other reason why Florence Nightingale gets remembered and Mary Seacole doesn't is that Mary Seacole was mixed race. Right. Yeah. And there's a tendency for us, even if somebody's celebrated within their lifetime, yeah. to quickly forget that they existed. Mm. Or if they did exist, then quickly forget that they weren't white. Yeah. See people yeah. like Alexandra Dumas, who wrote The Three Musketeers. Yeah, it's almost like a feeling of people who are remembered like that are almost like promoted to whiteness in history yeah and definitely in the frontispieces to their books yes absolutely yeah it was a long while before i realized that alexandra dumas was black yeah right (laughs) like there's him there's a bunch of russian poets and writers Mm. as well there's just so many people and you're like oh they weren't white (laughs) (laughs) i thought everyone in the past was white even the black people (laughs) Black people existed, but they were they were sort of like leprechauns, like they were <laughs> mythological figures. I heard tell of them once. <laughs> okay, so Mary um Mary Seacole then. A quick history of her. Okay. So she was born in Kingstown in Jamaica cool. in eighteen oh five, um, as Mary Grant. So her father was Scottish mm-hmm. and was Lieutenant James Grant of the British Army. Right. And her mother was a free black Jamaican lady. Nice. Whose name does not seem to have been recorded in history. Oh, boo. Yeah, so we, we just have... So Mrs. Grant was known as the Doctress. Um, because she used traditional Caribbean and West African herbal medicines to right. nurse army officers back to health in her boarding house. Did it work? Yes. Oh, okay. So this is the thing. I kind of read about this and I was like, okay, traditional medicines, mm. like... Probably hit and miss. Yeah. Probably not that great. But it turns out, actually, Mm -hmm. there was this long history of doctresses in Jamaica. Yeah. um, Partly because of people bringing their sort of traditional medicines from West Africa when they were enslaved. And partly because slaves didn't have doctors. So a lot of the female slaves kind of took care of them Ah, and effectively took over the role that witches had in england before the witch trials yeah so they had all this knowledge that had not been got rid of by hanging people yeah um I'm kind of thinking of terry pratchett witches here as well now basically this is these ladies yeah so they were a mixture of nurses midwives masseuse Oh. And herbalist. Oh. And importantly, they had good hygiene practices. Right. So this wasn't common in British doctoring until Florence Nightingale worked it out. Mm. But the Jamaican doctresses already knew. Well, I can't remember when germ theory was actually 
like discovered. Apparently, it's a little bit after Florence Nightingale. So right. Florence Nightingale gets um, some a bad rep for not believing in germ theory, but right. actually, she didn't believe in something that came beforehand, which was like you could get sick by touching a sick person. Mm. She didn't think that was true. Yeah, and well, I mean. I think prior to germ theory, was miasma theory still a thing? I think the like Florence Nightingale was on like right between. So there right. was miasma theory before that. Yeah. And then you have this one where like maybe it's touch and right. then people are like, oh look, bacteria. Yeah. Um so I guess uh, for those who don't know, the miasma theory is the idea that sort of bad smells and mm-hmm. bad airs cause diseases and i guess the thing is like with all these things there is a grain of truth to it because it makes so much sense like, if you're in a sick room you know it doesn't smell good yeah. and if you hang out in sick rooms all the time you'll probably get ill yeah. and generally if something smells bad it it can cause some sort of infection or yeah. illness like well poop <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> shall we move on <laughs> Barnaby's a bit tired today. Yes, I am. Okay, so Mary Seacole grew up in this environment, and so she's part of like this really long tradition of doctresses. Mm-hmm. She learned nursing from her mother. She began helping with patients at the boarding house aged 12 years old. Ooh. So this was with some pretty extreme diseases because they were in Jamaica, and the British yeah. officers kept coming down with these tropical diseases that they weren't you know, acclimatized to. Were they just bringing a lot of syphilis over? No, no. We're thinking things like cholera, yellow fever, ah, right. that kind of okay. thing. Um, so when you're, when you're like British officers coming over, I'm like, this is going to be sexual, isn't it? No, it's not. <laughs> that that doesn't get mentioned in her history. Uh, okay. Although granted, this is because a lot of what we know about Mary Seacole, she wrote about herself. So yeah. we get a lot from her own autobiography, which right. is always cool. Yeah. So she married Edwin Horatio Hamilton Seacole. Wow. Yes. In 1836. And family legend had it that he was actually the illegitimate son of Horatio Nelson and Emma (gasps) Hamilton. Oh, my. Um, She definitely thought that he was at least Nelson's godson. Right. So she uh, gave a ring in her will that had belonged to him Mm. and had apparently been given to him by his godfather, Horatio Nelson. Ah. Um, Turns out it's not the same Horatio Nelson, <laughs> but Horatio Nelson who ran a butcher's in Bexhill. Well, it could have been that Horatio Nelson because right. he, as a young man before his fame, spent time in Jamaica ah. and was nursed back to health by a doctress. <gasps> oh my, because How romantic. It's all very Mills and Boone. I know, isn't it? <laughs> but instead he went off with Emma Hamilton, so that's okay. Um, however, their marriage didn't last long, um, not Horatio Nelson's um, Mary Seacole's yeah. and Edwin Horatio Hamilton Seacole's mm. uh, because Edwin died quite young. Ah, okay. So she then did a lot of traveling around. She's like, no, no one's ever going to die again on my watch. <laughs> Almost. I mean, she travels around like places like Panama yeah. um, and also parts of Jamaica and possibly Cuba. Oh. Um, and. So, for instance, in 1851, she went to Cruces in Panama, which apparently was like the back end of Beyond in those days, right. um, to stay with her half-brother. And as soon as she got there, there was an outbreak of cholera. Yeah. And she treated the first victim of the cholera outbreak, and they survived. So nice. she got a load of patients from this. Yeah. Um, and the rich patients paid her, yeah. but she treated the poor for free. Yay! Just like our favorite people always yes. do. Yeah, Dr. Graham. Dr. Graham. <laughs> now, this instance of her going to Panama is mm-hmm. really interesting because um, she made her journey back to Jamaica um, and she had sort of 
been there treating all these people, being basically the only course for a lot of these people. Yeah. Um, because the other options were the Catholic Church mm-hmm. or this one dentist. <laughs> Okay, this this one dentist who was really confused as to why all these sick people keep turning up. He's like, do you want me to look at your teeth? I was like, no, no. I am pooping forever. I know, right? <laughs> so she talks a lot about um, like how Americans tended to view her mm-hmm. because being in Jamaica, she was kind of used to British officers, yeah. but she also became used to Americans and their outlook on her was apparently a little bit different. Okay. Possibly because of the history of slavery. Oh, yes. So she records a white American giving a speech at a leaving dinner in which he wished that God bless the best yellow woman he ever made and asked the listeners to join with him in rejoicing that she's so many shades removed from being entirely black. Oh. He went on to say... If we could bleach her... Oh, my God. ...by any means, we would, and thus Jesus. make her acceptable in any company as she deserves to be. Oh, my God. Like, this ties so well into us talking about, you know, like, promoting to whiteness in history. Exactly. Like, that's literally what this person is this saying. This guy was literally trying to do that. Jesus. But... Seacole was really proud of her black heritage. Mm. um, And she said that she did not appreciate uh, his kind wishes with respect to her complexion. Nice. And said, if it had been as dark as any black person's, I should have just been just as happy and just as useful and as much respected by those who respect I value. And she had a mic drop moment, walked up to him, went to shake him by the hand, but grabbed him and it turned into a suplex (laughs) and she threw him over her shoulder. Oh my God, almost. She drank to you and the general reformation of American manners. Oh, that's so good. Isn't that good? Oh, oh, Oh. sick burn, bruv. Indeed. (laughs) Um, She also says that she had difficulties traveling home to Jamaica because she was supposed to go on an American ship, but Mm. it refused to take her and she had to wait for a British ship. So she did a lot of traveling around in the West Indies, basically, yeah. and travel and basically sorted out a lot of outbreaks of cholera and yellow fever, um, with mixed results. Obviously, because it's cholera and I yellow mean, yeah. fever, it's a tricky thing. But I am just enjoying this idea that like, there's an outbreak of cholera. Send for cholera, woman. <laughs> she flies through the air. So I quite like, there's a description of the medicines that she used. Mm-hmm. And one of the things she did was to make sure that people stayed really hydrated, for instance, if they had oh, cholera. Nice. Yeah. Uh, she didn't treat them with opium, which I think seems like a good idea, maybe. I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I kind of feel like if you have cholera, you might as well be off your tits while you're on it, while you've got it. That's very true. Okay, so this brings us to the next stage of her life, mm. which... By this stage, she's in. She's well into her 40s, um, but she's an adventurous lady. Yeah. So in October 1853, the Crimean War broke out. Mm. Now, this was a war between Russia and a coalition of the UK, France, Sardinia, and the Ottoman Empire. I don't know what Sardinia's how, how Sardinia doing. Sardinia sneak in there? I don't know. <laughs> Apparently, they're just, they're just really into fighting with Russia. Fair enough. Which... If, if that's what you want to do, fine. Is it, is it left over from, from Napoleon or something? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Anyways, so the Crimean War was kind of a really big deal within British history. Yeah. It was kind of a really big celebration of British soldiers being amazing, including things like the Charge of the I, Light Brigade. Like, that was literally the thing I was about to say. It's like, 
like that, that's not a thing like something to celebrate that was a massacre but they they talk about it in a cele- celebratory way well yeah yeah i know but you know soldiers very brave generals gave very very bad orders absolutely so the thing is that mary seacole kind of bought into this idea of um like the bravery of war right i guess we were really full-on into british empire mode and we got really excited about being able to fight the russians because they had a lot of cannons so um (laughs) so mary seacole turns up and is like this is shit. This is not what was advertised to me. <laughs> well, I mean, so she read about the war in the newspapers, mm-hmm. um, and she also wanted to go because some of the n- soldiers she'd already nursed in the 48th and 97th regiments were being shipped there. Right. Um, she decided that she wanted to go to England and volunteer as a nurse so that she could experience the pomp, pride, and circumstance of glorious war. Damn. I know. Um, I'm not sure whether she fully experienced this Mm -hmm. um, but she is writing about this in her autobiography which she wants to sell with the British public who are still into Crimea so who knows they still love their empire yeah now the thing is that Seacole was a little bit late Oh, no. So once she arrived in England she applied to join the second contingent of nurses to Crimea yeah but she was told that arrangements had already been made and there was no space for her damn she also applied to the Crimean Fund to get mm-hmm. funds for her own expedition. Yeah. She applied to the Secretary of State. She applied directly to the Secretary of State's wife. <laughs> and she applied to one of the organizing nurses who worked for Florence Nightingale. Well, you know, what you really need to do, it's very simple. Either you be Matt Hancock's neighbor mm-hmm. or la- pub landlord, or <laughs> you just give some money to the Tory party and you can just do whatever you want, really. That's really true. Yeah. Ultimately, because she was not Matt Hancock's neighbour, mm. um, she was turned down by every single person that she talked Damn. to. And she wondered whether this was racial bias against her. Mm. Which, I mean, you would. Yeah. She asked, was it possible that American prejudices against colour had some root here? Well, yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> um I mean, for one thing, America had its roots here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think it's interesting. A sort of, I guess she had a kind of different experience of British mm. and African American relations in Jamaica because she's in a mixed race household. No one sees that as an issue. Yeah. And then she comes to the UK and suddenly she's experiencing racism in a way she'd not necessarily had when she was at home. Yeah. Plus it must have been quite interesting because it was at a point in history where like at this point, Britain had outlawed slavery, hadn't it? Oh yes. And America hadn't. So you've got that sort of like interesting in between period because even though, you know, Britain outlawed slavery, yay, all that, Mm -hmm. things were still not good for black people. No. Um, And yeah, I imagine that's going to produce some interesting cultural differences, which, you know, doesn't always happen when you've got soldiers who are well-traveled. Yeah, that makes sense. She does mention that she was traveling with a companion in Britain, Hmm. like at an earlier point, because she came to Britain a couple of times. Oh, cool. Um, And that... She holidayed in St. Hostel. (laughs) She came basically to do loads of business because she was a proper businesswoman as well as being a nurse. Well done. (laughs) Um, And her traveling companion on her first visit to England was apparently darker skinned than she was. And even though there were black people living in London at the time, uh, she still drew stares. And this was something that she kind of noticed. Yeah. Um, So 
basically, Mary Sue Cole's gone to ask all these people for help in mm-hmm. getting to Crimea. She's determined that she's going to do this. Mm-hmm. Everyone said no. So she decides to do what she's always done. She's treat gonna... cholera. <laughs> well, she does treat cholera ah. in... Um, <laughs> Or, or at least that was one of the major issues that was killing off the soldiers in Crimea. Ah, yeah. um, actually, more so than the Russians. <laughs> I, I meant just around England. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> she decides to set up a hotel. So remember what? that her remember that her mum had a boarding house that she was treating oh, people in. Oh yeah, that's what Mary Seacole's had as her base as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So she sets up a hotel in Crimea. Mm-hmm. Um. And she uses it as a base for nursing soldiers as well as a business. I feel like property prices are going to be pretty cheap at that point there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna show you a picture of the property in a Ooh. moment. Um, so she used her own money to do this. Yeah. And she bought a load of supplies and took them with her to uh, Sevastopol in Crimea. She set up her hotel, which she called the British Hotel, within a mile of the British headquarters. Nice. So one of Florence Nightingale's companions uh, did some drawings and sketches of various places. Um, So this is her hotel, the one on this side here. Ah, it looks like quite a cosy little cottage. Yeah, it's kind of like a little mini inn and it's got a sort of teepee thing going on. So apparently it did have sleeping quarters and a kitchen and lots of other things going on um so the british hotel used to sell people all kinds of provisions yeah uh, from a needle to an anchor as she says um as well as providing food to british officers which was apparently particularly good a frenchman went because he went to crimea because he wanted to improve the lot of the british soldiers in terms of cuisine Ah. and he said that her food was really good and also she managed to serve him champagne on his first visit so he was quite impressed did she serve like traditional jamaican foods i don't know it's you gotta hope so because you know if you're if you're dying in (laughs) crimea you put like Something like a one-pot jerk chicken or something. Oh, that would be good. I don't think so. Just because I know that her sister's hotel that she was keeping in Jamaica um, apparently had this strong adherence to doing really good British food. Ah, I see. So who knows? (laughs) Eels. So many eels. (laughs) Uh, Apparently at this point, we're definitely into our stews. (laughs) You can have eel stew. I suppose so. I suppose um, so apart from serving officers at the British Hotel, she also provided catering for spectators at the battles. Oh, nice. So she used to travel um, about three and a half miles to stand on Cathcart's Hill and be an observer of the battles that were going on. Mm-hmm. And she used to help the troops while they were under fire. So she'd go up, she'd serve food, mm-hmm. but she'd also take with her things like bandages and lint right. and go and help the wounded during during the battles man she must have been such a welcome sight at that point (laughs) like you're in a battle Mm -hmm. you're tired you're hurt everything like that you know and then someone just comes up and is just like hey hey do you need some like tending to and also here's some food it's like yes yes the only thing like that could be better is if you offered like a nap as well like had a bed a fold-out bed (laughs) 
<laughs> well, so there are a few dispatches written about her because yeah. um, people like William Howard Russell, who was the special correspondent of the Times, mm-hmm. wrote about her. He said that she was a warm and successful physician who doctors and cures all manner of men with extraordinary success. Nice. She is always in attendance near the battlefield to aid the wounded and has earned many a poor fellow's blessing nice and he also said that she was both a miss nightingale and a chef ah excellent so she's literally the person that you want yeah um apparently she had a little tent that she used to take up with a tea kettle so she'd be making cups of tea on the battlefield so good right (laughs) i feel like okay so we, we already talked earlier about sort of like history pitting uh sea coal versus nightingale sort of thing but it seems like you know, they've got very different approaches to these things right here. Yes. Like Florence Nightingale, we've got this very sort of like clinical measured approach, mm-hmm. like the statistician stuff. And Seacole is just like, hey, boys, <laughs> here's some chicken. <laughs> to be honest, we've talked briefly about the witches and Terry Pratchett. Yeah. I kind of imagine her almost as mm. Nanny Og. So there's like there was a little bit of beef between her and Florence Nightingale. <sighs> So in apparently they had a lot of normal exchanges because yeah. as soon as Florence Nightingale realized that she wasn't trying to get in on being a nurse with her, oh, right. she was sort of fine with her and had nice talks and chats. And <laughs> She called off the nurse heavies. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> um, apparently, You're on the wrong patch, baby. <laughs> apparently she didn't want her, she definitely didn't want her to be one of their nurses. Oh, no. Um, but, Why? Okay, she said this afterwards. Right. And she said the reason was that she felt that there would be much kindness from her, right. but also much drunkenness. Oh. Not on her part. Right. But because she set up the British Hotel, apparently people used to go there to get pissed. Ah, okay. So th- people were having a good time at this place. It yeah. wasn't just like a hospital or a yeah. convalescent home. I've got this idea that it's like, you're somehow unaware of this war. You're going through uh, the Crimea mm-hmm. and you end up like, oh, well, let, darling, let's stay here for a night. It looks like a lovely, charming little place. Oh, yeah. I'll have a room for two, please. Very well. And what are you suffering from? Oh, nothing. We're perfectly fine. You're perfectly fine. Okay, well, uh, the cholera room has just become empty. <laughs> so I can have you in there or it's the tuberculosis suite. Oh, God. <laughs> No, 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 no. Everyone, like, I think people were having a really good time yeah. with her. I mean, she knew how to get hold of champagne in Crimea, which yeah. I don't know how easy that would be. She does sound like Nanny Og. Right? <laughs> um, so... To our listeners who don't know who we're talking about, read Terry Pratchett. It's good. Yeah. Um, so people talked a lot about her giving care to the dying and those who were, you know, hurt. Yeah, Interestingly, when a medical doctor described her, he doesn't mention her being a nurse. Right. He called her a coloured woman who, out of the goodness of her heart and at her own expense, supplied hot tea to the poor sufferers um, (laughs) while they are waiting to be lifted into the boats. Right. She did not spare herself if she could do any good to the suffering soldiers. Okay. So there's this kind of step back from the idea that she's doing any nursing or anything medical, and they kind of see her as what's called a sutler, which I've not heard of before. So a sutler was somebody who would go to battlefields with refreshments. Right. Where does that come from then? It comes from Dutch, apparently. Right. I I can't tell you any more than that. Fair enough. Sutler or something. Right. 
So she was helping out quite a lot with these soldiers, though, and did become kind of a loved figure mm. because obviously, first up, anyone who's got a cup of tea for you on the battlefield, yeah. absolutely. And also... I'm strongly convinced she was doing nursing. Like, I don't think that the Times correspondent would have said that she was if she wasn't. Yeah, and I mean, it seems that whatever she does, she ends up doing doctoring somewhere. So it would yeah. be weird for her to turn up to a literal war zone yeah. and just be like, I'm going to relax on the medical side and really embrace my passion of making tea for soldiers. Right? Definitely not. No. Um, there was also Lady Alicia Blackwood who pointed out that she visited the field of woe and ministered with her own hands such things as could comfort or alleviate the sufferings of those around her, freely giving to such as could not pay. So she's clearly doing yeah. exactly the same stuff she was doing back in Panama. Maybe what was happening was this person turns up and is like, oh, Mary Seacole, she's not doing any nursing. Look, because all these soldiers are perfectly healthy. None of them have cholera. <laughs> and Mary Seacole's like, why do you think they don't have cholera? Maybe that's it. Maybe she's like, maybe they're like, oh, she's not cutting off any limbs. Yeah. Because that's not part of her yeah. nursing. But never mind. Um, I have a little bit of a weird one for you. Okay. Uh, after the fall of Sevastopol, yeah. she was the first British woman to enter the city. Nice. Now, obviously, she's doing her thing. So she yeah. brings a load of refreshments for <laughs> all the soldiers. The other thing is that she looted the city. What? <laughs> Apparently, she stole an, a church bell, an altar candle, and a 10-foot-long painting of the Madonna. <laughs> wow. I love this idea that it's just like, you know, she's done all these amazing things. She's been really selfless, mm -hmm. like worked for other people all her life. And she goes in and she's just like, I'm going to do this for me. <laughs> and I am going to loot Sevastopol and clearly a church. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess maybe she just caught up in that looting mentality. Oh, you know, when everyone's looting around you, it's hard not to get swept up and do some looting yourself. Especially if you could get a 10 foot long yeah. painting of the Madonna. I would love one. <laughs> would you really? No, I don't have anywhere to keep it. No. Well, I like this idea of looting a 10 foot painting because that mm. sounds difficult. It does. Well, so does looting a church bell. I don't know how she was doing this. <laughs> Is she the world's strongest person? Wait, she must have had a cart to take her refreshments with her. Yeah, that makes sense, her. yeah. Okay, so... A little tea cart. <laughs> Everyone's like, is that a 10-foot painting of the Madonna? Nope, biscuits. <laughs> so unfortunately, after the war ended, she was left with a load of supplies on her hand, and right. suddenly there's no demand for them because all the soldiers have gone home. Right. And that meant that when she came back to England... She was basically bankrupt. Oh, no. Um, because she had to sell off yeah. everything at a loss. Um, she had way less money when she went out than when she came back. But on the bright side, she was a very popular figure. Yay. All these soldiers had all these great stories about her, and they knew that she was this brave lady who'd helped out a load of people. Mm. So the British press publicized her financial issues. Yeah. And they had loads of fundraisers Aww. for her benefit, including my favorite, which was the Seacole Fund Grand Military Festival. Yeah. This was basically a music festival that Amazing. they held for her at the Royal Surrey Gardens over four days. Oh, that's so cool. There were a thousand musicians Whoa. and 11 military bands. <laughs> Now, granted, the running costs for this were really high. I so mean, yeah. in the end, they only gave her £57 in, oh. in, in those days' money. I mean, that is, like, yeah. Which is still okay, but not what you'd expect. No, not when you've got a thousand musicians. Mm. But she managed to avoid bankruptcy and sort of keep, keep on keeping yeah. on, to be honest. 
1857, on the basis of her fame, she mm-hmm. published her autobiography, which has a lovely title. Yeah. The Wonderful Adventures of Mrs. Seacole in Many Lands. Oh, that is good. That is good. And apparently it's quite entertaining. They rejected the uh, first idea for the title, which was Tease Up Love. <laughs> Um, so last time I did an episode, I did the first autobiography written in mm, English. You did. This was the first autobiography written by a person of colour in Britain. Nice. You're in autobiography mode. <laughs> I know, apparently so. Um, and it's a really good thing she did because we get a lot of her own opinions, mm. especially on things like race and yeah. also on what she was doing. Now, it might be quite exaggerated. Okay. Um, because wouldn't you exaggerate your autobiography, The Wonderful Adventures of Mrs. Seacole in, Mrs. in Many Lands, yeah, and talk I'd, about how incredible you are? Yeah, I'd definitely be slaying dragons in that. Oh, sure. Okay, so her later life is pretty much more of the same, sort mm-hmm. of getting money from these fundraisers, and also she joined royal circles a little bit. Oh, nice. Uh, she became the personal masseuse to the Princess of Wales, oh. who apparently suffered from some leg problems. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that is a pretty all right life to yeah. end up with. Um, and in the end, she was financially solvent. Mm-hmm. Everything was pretty okay. Oh, good. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the beef between her and Florence Nightingale because ultimately she says in her autobiography that she met Florence Nightingale on the way to Crimea they had a few chats and they were all fine oh right Um, Florence Nightingale did discourage people from hiring or from allowing her to go on other expeditions right because being an adventurous lady, right. she did want to go to other war zones. Yeah. And apparently Florence Nightingale said, no, she got, she let everyone get really drunk and I'm against <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, but I mean, I think this is one of those things. I think Florence Nightingale is a bit of a stick in the mud. Yeah. Um, I can understand her having this very high idealistic version yeah. of nursing. I got, uh, yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah, pretty much. Um, so that's that's the worst thing between the two of them, I guess, right. is Florence Nightingale didn't want her to go to mm. other war zones because she was letting the soldiers get drunk. <laughs> she didn't approve of the drinking. No. Um, but... But mm-hmm. the issue, really, I think, as modern historians. Okay. So since Mary Seacole got included in things like the curriculum, yeah, there's been this kind of backlash against her, right? By people who are fans of Florence Nightingale. Right. So there's this feeling like there can be only one. You right. can only have yeah. one female nurse in Crimea, which is so weird given that Florence Nightingale took 38 other female nurses yeah. with her to Crimea. Like there is room, guys. Yeah, right. Um so the main person who talks about this issue is Lynn MacDonald, right. who is co-founder of the Nightingale Society, which promotes the legacy of Florence Nightingale. So she thinks that Seacole's role in the Crimean War was overplayed. Right. She says a lot of nice things about her, and then she says, While her cures have been vastly exaggerated, she doubtless did what she could to ease suffering when no effective cures existed. In epidemics pre-Crimea, she said a comforting word to the dying and closed the eyes of the dead. 
During the Crimean War, probably her greatest kindness was to serve hot tea and lemonade to cold, suffering soldiers awaiting transport to hospital on the wharf at Balaclava. She deserves much credit for rising to the occasion, but her tea and lemonade did not save lives, pioneer nursing, or advance healthcare. Well, that's a patronising pat on the back. Isn't it? It makes me furious. Yeah. Um, It has been pointed out by other historians that this really does a disservice to the tradition of Jamaican doctresses. Yeah, And absolutely. to be honest, without wanting to call out certain people like... <laughs> like you already Lynn have, too late. <laughs> um, it sounds, We're going to start a feud. Okay. <laughs> it sounds a bit... Racist isn't the word I'm looking for. Racially motivated? Not quite. It tinged sounds... with racism? A soupçon of racism. <laughs> Specifically, it sounds a bit Eurocentric. Right, yeah. Like, only European people can have worked out mm. how to deal with cholera yeah. or hygiene methods. Yeah. And, like, obviously, her cholera remedies weren't as good as modern doctoring. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, right? (laughs) But we know that people who were looked after by the Jamaican doctresses tended to have a better outcome Mm. than people who were looked after by European doctors in Jamaica. Yeah, I mean, this is is the era where doctoring in European terms was pretty, like, that was hit and miss at that point as well. I mean, they hadn't had Florence Nightingale along to go... Hold on a sec. Maybe maybe we should wash our hands. Before you start sticking them inside people. Yeah. And also, it completely ignores the fact that we know she definitely did medical things. Yeah. And, sorry, it makes me very cross when people come across with this kind of attitude. Going, oh yes, her tea and lemonade was the most important thing. And it's like, um, William Howard Russell, the Times war correspondent at the time said that she cured broken limbs. Yeah. Like, there's no denying that she was being a nurse. I think it just goes back to the thing I said earlier. It's just like, she's do- she's been doctoring all her life. Why would she turn up to Crimea just to serve tea? Yeah. Well, apparently this lady also thinks that she only, like gave gave some comfort to the dying of the people who were dying of cholera. And it's like, no, she was probably doing at least as good a job as mm. other doctors. Um, so in her own autobiography, and remember I have said this could be exaggerated, yeah. she mentions that in terms of midwifery, she never lost a mother or a child. Oh, damn. Now, that would be impressive if true. It would be so impressive because at the time... Um, what is it? What's the word for it? I'm I'm not going to have the right word, but basically, um, death in childbirth mm-hmm. happened a quarter of the time. Whoa! Either the mother or the child. Yeah. So when she does this boast, I'm not sure it could possibly be true, mm. but it suggests to me that she had some pride in her midwifery. Yeah. She must have had a reasonable survival rate. Yeah. And that means she was doing something right and possibly it's just the fact that there was a tradition of hygiene practices but even if literally all she's doing is turning up being hygienic and cleaning wounds Mm. isn't that pretty much what you want from your nurses in Crimea yeah anyway so I'm very grumpy at Lynn McDonald for this I think that there is a tendency I think the reason why there's this backlash is because there's this sort of belief that if you 
put emphasis on Mary Seacole, then it does do that thing that I talked about at the beginning where you go, oh, Florence Nightingale was a really horrible person, whereas Mm. Mary Seacole is actually the one true Crimean nurse. Yeah. I think there's room for both. Yeah. And I think that putting down Florence Nightingale on the basis of her personality is stupid well it seems like they were both effective just in different ways and to be honest i would probably rather be treated by mary seacole because it just sounds like a much nicer time (laughs) but you know i mean you would be drunk exactly but but not enough opium no but i'm not going to turn down a florence nightingale no because you know i'm like there can be as you say there can be only one (laughs) highlander style anyway i'm sorry i went on a bit of a rant about this but it makes me furious when people pit historical figures against Mm. each other for reasons that seem at least slightly racially motivated yeah like i'm glad you added that bit because obviously there is there there are some like historical rivalries that people really get into like edison and tesla but at least that has some basis yes, in their exactly. actual lives. Yeah. Like they are stealing stuff from each other or yeah. at least Edison's stealing stuff from everyone possibly. <laughs> <laughs> but in this case, like there was a little bit of tension between them yeah. as one might expect. But it seems more like a professional disagreement rather than, oh, I hate you. You're wrong and killing people. And, yeah. Ah. Both these ladies were helping. Yeah. Florence Nightingale, I think, has had a longer impact because Mm. of the way that she reformed nursing. Like, she genuinely reformed nursing schools and things like that. Mm. But I think Mary Seacole has her place. And I think it's worth talking about both of them. Yeah, totally. Thank you for listening to That Time When. You can follow us on Twitter at That Time When 4. And if you have any suggestions for episodes, you can email us at ttwpod at gmail.com. Thank you, as always, to Kevin McLeod for our theme song, Anachronist, as well as any other music that Barnaby's included. And thank you for listening, and always remember to invest in eels. <laughs> Goodbye.